So I'm rambling now, so let's pray. Okay. Father, thank you for this time together today. We thank you for your word. We just ask you to open our minds, our hearts, that you would be here. We know that you're here because your word promised where two or three are gathered together, that you're here also in our midst. And Lord, it's so cool that this is so much bigger than us talking, and, but you're at work and you're doing things in people's hearts and lives. And Lord, my prayer is that we as people would choose to be open to what you're doing. We would choose, we would say yes to God because there's so many things pulling at us to say yes to 101 different things. And a lot of those things are great things. But Lord, may our biggest yes be our yes that we say to you, that you are first, that you are the center of our lives and everything else comes around you. And Lord, when we do it your way, we get your results. Lord, when we do it our way, we get our results. Sometimes we discover that's not really what we want. We want you. We want what you have for us. And Lord, we just thank you for this time together in Jesus' name. And everyone together said, amen. Well, like I've been saying, I just want to welcome you this morning on this chilly winter Sunday morning. And what I want to do today is I want to talk. We're kind of in a place right now where February is going to be a month that's a little different. We have a couple guest speakers coming in, Jan- in February that you'll really, really enjoy. One's a youth evangelist. We're going to have a great time. So I didn't want to dive into a new series because it would be a little choppy. So at, um, when we enter into March again, we'll get back into a series. So for the next couple weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of do what we did this last summer. And each week, we're just going to focus on one word. We'll look at the word, and then we'll drill a little deeper into what that word really means. So today, what I want to do is I want to look at one word. And this word's very interesting because it has the potential to change your life, has the potential to change your life. But more importantly, more importantly, and I want to make a big emphasis on that, more importantly, it it has the potential to change the lives of other people, those people that you frequently come in contact with. So today, here's our go-to word. Today, we're going to talk about, everybody, let's say this together, compassion. Today, we're going to talk about compassion. And my goal throughout this series is that um, we'll be challenged to be compassionate people because as compassionate people, it will change us, but it will certainly change the lives of those that we demonstrate compassion towards, okay? So let's begin our journey today about um, defining the word compassion. I think we all have these kind of bits and pieces of ideas of what this word means. So today what we're going to do is we're going to pull all those bits and pieces together, and I'm going to bring clarity to this word so that we're all reading off of the same page. And I discovered this week that compassion is basically made up of three very important parts. It's not just one part, it's three important parts that make up compassion. And the first part is com- of compassion is when we notice another person's pain, okay? Or let me say it this way, we have an awareness of the suffering of another person. And that's really a big deal. That's really, I think, called a God deal because it's so easy in our world to get self-absorbed. It's so easy to be oblivious to the needs of other people or what's going on around us. But compassion is when we begin to take notice. 
hey, that that person really close to me, that person at work, that person I live with, that person I go to school with, that person on my team, I begin to notice that they're in pain, that they're suffering. And that pain can be a physical pain. That pain can be an emotional pain. It could be a financial pain. It could be a relationship pain, okay? Or it can be a spiritual pain. But step one of compassion is that I begin to notice other people. I begin to notice their pain. I begin to take notice that they're suffering, which leads to point two, or point two of compassion is this. After I see this, it's weird. I begin to experience an emotional reaction to their pain. Actually, the, um, the Hebrew meaning of pain is that I co-suffer, meaning you suffer, and because you're suffering, I begin to have the emotion of, that I begin to suffering, to suffer. By the way, how many parents know this is big in parental raising of our kids, isn't it? That when our kids suffer, we do what? We suffer as parents. I was thinking about it this week. I've been thinking about it for a long time, that my greatest pain in life, my greatest suffering in life are not the things that I go through. Because, you know, I'm 57. I know how to work through these things. And I have some life experience. God's been good to me. But the greatest suffering, the greatest pain I have is when I begin to see Grant, when I begin to see Nolan suffer. And when they suffer and they share news that maybe they have an unmet expectation, that something didn't go the way they thought, dad begins to suffer. And I'm like, God, do something. How many parents can identify with what I'm talking about? Half of you, okay. Let's hear it for all those parents, okay. The rest of you parents, come on, let's get with it, okay. And then, so we identify, we feel, and then the third step of compassion is so important because we can't stop after two. We got to go on to number three, and that is that we act, acting in some way to help ease, alleviate the pain. Or let me say it this way. We take action. We take action. Everybody say that word, action. Everybody, action. So it's not enough just to see it. It's not enough to feel it. But if we're going to be compassionate people, there's something that we need to do, okay? So compassion is seeing something, number one. Number two is feeling something. And then number three is doing something. So it's seeing, feeling, and doing. That's the full extent of compassion. And if you're going to be a compassionate person, it takes all three of these things, seeing, feeling, and doing. So now what I want to do is I want to dive into Scripture and we're going to look in Scripture how God exemplified compassion, how God exemplifies compassion. So I want to show you some verses. We're going to actually be in the Bible here for the next 10 minutes real deep, okay? So let's go. God's character is compassion. Does everybody understand that? That our God is a compassionate God. He sees, he feels, he does something about it. That's God, okay? And I want to show you some verses just to show you some evidence of this in Scripture. The first scripture is an amazing scripture found in Exodus 34, verse 6. And the context is God is meeting with his servant Moses. Moses. And look what it says here. The Lord passed in front of Moses. It was God passing in front of Moses, calling out, and this is God speaking, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of, everybody say it together, compassion and mercy. So God defining his character, he's saying, Moses, this is who I am. 
Moses, I want you to understand this, that I am the God of compassion. I'm compassionate. I see, I feel, I do something about it. Then we move over to Psalms 86, verse 15. We find David. David is what? He's a man after God's own heart. Look at this prayer of David. He says, but you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy. He must have read Exodus, right? He says, but you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy. You're slow to get angry, and you're filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. How many people are thankful for the character of God? Amen? Compassionate, full of mercy, slow to get angry, unfailing love and faithfulness. Let's look at one more verse, Psalms 145, verse 9. We're talking about how God is compassionate. It says in Psalms 145, the Lord is good to everyone. Let's all say that word together, everyone. Not just me, not just you, not just us. The Lord is good to everyone. And check out what he does. He showers, everybody say the word together, compassion. He showers compassion on all of his creation. It's not just sprinkles. It's not just occasional sprinkle. No, it's a shower. God showers his compassion upon people. You may be here today and you're saying, okay, Mike, you're giving me these verses, but what is the greatest evidence, example of God's compassion? I want to let you know the greatest evidence of God's compassion is that he saw the suffering of humanity. You hear me this morning? He saw our suffering due to the sin in our lives. He saw it, he felt it, and then he did something about it. What did God do when he saw our suffering of sin? God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world for one purpose, to live his life, to die so that our sins can be forgiven, to alleviate the suffering that bridges a gap between us and God. So now through his son Jesus, we can receive forgiveness and we can have wholeness in our relationship with our creator. The ultimate act of compassion on God's behalf is sending his son Jesus to die for you, for me for all of us. How many people can put your hands together and say, thank you, Father? Amen? All right, a couple you can put your, let's do, we can do that in church, okay? Okay. So thankful to God's compassion. So thankful for his compassion by sending his son. Now I want to look at the compassion of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And I want to let you know that the compassion of Jesus can be seen clearly throughout the gospel narratives of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And there are several examples. There's more examples than we have time for this morning. So I just want to share with you two examples of the compassion of Jesus as he was God in the flesh walking on earth. Let's look at these real quick. First one is Matthew 15. If you're taking notes, Matthew 15. We're going to read verses 29 through 39. And let's read the first three verses or the setup verses for this text. Okay. It says this. It says, Jesus left there. This is God in the flesh. This is Jesus. He left there, and he went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountain, and he sat down. Verse 30, great crowds came to him. 
Look at this, folks. Great crowds came to, they found Jesus and they came to him bringing the lame, the blind, the cripple, the mute, and many others and laid them at his feet. And check out what Jesus did. It says that he healed them all. By the way, that fits so well into our definition of compassion. Jesus was aware, Jesus felt, and then he did something for those people that were suffering. And as I said at the beginning of my message this morning, when we exercise compassion, that's gonna make a difference in the lives of other people. So how many people would agree that the compassion of Jesus changed these people's lives? I mean, it changed the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. How many people would agree their lives were changed forever? Amen? Okay. Verse 31, the people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking. Their lives were changed. The crippled made well. The lame walking, the blind seeing, And what did they do? They all praised the God of Israel. All these people are just singing praises to God for the great things that Jesus had done through his acts of compassion. Verse 32, Jesus called his disciples. He says, hey, guys, come here. And he said these words. Everybody, let's say these next three words together. I have compassion. Jesus is saying this. I have compassion for these people. He's talking about all the people in the crowds, for they have already been with me three days. So he notices what's going on, and they have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse on the way back home. Verse 33, his disciples answered, Jesus, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? Verse 34, Jesus asked, how many loaves do you have? Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. Verse 35, he told the crowd to sit down on the ground. In verse 37, then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. In verse 37, They all ate, and they were, everybody say this word, they were satisfied. I love these verses because they share with us the compassion of Jesus. He was aware of the needs. He wasn't just caught up into himself and said, hey, guys, let's go. Let's go find something to eat for ourselves, leave these people on their own. No, he was aware of their need. He felt the need. But here's the big deal. He acted upon the need and he fed the group. In this story, it was 4,000, and that's just the men alone. Why? Because Jesus is compassionate. Let's look at one more portion of scriptures found in now the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. And we're going to read chapter 7, and we're going to look at five verses, 11 through 15. It said, soon afterwards, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed Jesus. The people loved Jesus. People were just in love, enamored, just wanted to be with him. That's what I want for us, that we just want to be where Jesus is. Verse 12, on this day there was a funeral procession 
that was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died, so there was a young man that died, was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. Verse 13, when the Lord saw this, his heart, when the Lord saw this, his heart, check this out, overflowed with what? Compassion. He saw the young man who had died. Now his, this was his mother's only child. His heart overflowed with compassion. He said, don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin. This is where we see the action, and he touched it. And the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. How many people know Jesus has all authority and power, amen? He can do anything. Verse 15, then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. He was a talker, okay? And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Question, how many would agree that the compassion of Jesus changed the life of this boy and his mother? Would you agree with me this morning? I mean, it changed everything. It changed, this. that's the power of compassion. When Jesus acted in compassion and did things, it changed the lives of other people. Why am I keep repeating that this morning? Because here's what I want you to hear. When we, you and I, act with compassion, we see, we feel, we do. How many people know that's not only going to change us, but it's going to change the people around us? Amen? It's going to change everything. And here's my suggestion to us here today, and my suggestion is if God the Father and God the Son, if they were compassionate, how many people know that we as his people are also called to be what? Compassionate. So it's not something we can opt out of. It's a calling that we have on our lives that we are to be compassionate. You say, Mike, where do you find that in Scripture? Well, um, I think I, just hang in there with me. Everybody, everybody just talk to your neighbor real quick. Is everybody going? Okay, we're moving, we're grooving. Maybe it's a, I messed up somewhere here. Is everybody okay? You're having compassion on me. You're seeing I have a need, you're feeling it. You're praying for me right now, right? Okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. We're about back to where we, we're not going back. I must have messed up. So here's what I wanna say. We're called to be compassionate. And I want to share with you three verses that demonstrate this. And you can write these down for later. Luke 6.36. Jesus is preaching to the masses on the hills, and he says this. He says, you must be compassionate. Let's all say that together. You must be compassionate. And then Jesus says this, just as your father is compassionate. So Jesus speaking to his followers saying, hey, God's compassionate. You are called to be compassionate just like him. One other verse, actually two other verses, Romans 8, 29. The verse says, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. 
Now, I want to let you know, if we're going to be more like Jesus, we need to be what? Everybody say the word, compassionate. One other verse I want to share with you is taken from Colossians 3.2, if you're taking notes, Colossians 3.2. Paul writing these words, he says, therefore, as God's chosen people, your chosen people, you're holy and dearly loved, he says these words, then clothe yourselves with compassion. So Paul's saying, hey, you believers, you people who are holy and dearly loved, you are to get up every day and you are to put on the clothes of compassion, meaning you are to see the need, you are to feel it, and then you're to do something about it, okay? So we are to be people who follow the example of Jesus. That's what we're called to. We're not called to be like the world. We're called to be more like Jesus. He's the one we're aspiring to be like, Jesus, and that means we're called to compassion, meaning we are to be people that we see. We, we begin to have eyes to feel the suffering, see the suffering, feel the suffering, and then we're going to be called to do something about it. So here's what I want to do. I want to conclude with a question. Yes, we're already at the conclusion, and I have a question for all of us this morning, and the question for each and every one of us is simple question this morning. I want you to ask yourself, not only in this room today, I want you to ask yourself this question throughout the week, or maybe even ask this question to other people who know what you're talking about in this room, okay? And here's the question, and the question is, are you compassionate? Are you a compassionate person? Meaning, do you see the needs of other people? Or are you so caught up in your world, it's all about you, your world, and it, everything just comes back to you, or do you realize that there are people in your world every day that you come across, and they could be right in your home, they could be right in your workplace, they could be a part of your team, they could be at your school, they can be your kids, they could be your spouse. Do you have eyes to see suffering in the lives of other people? And then do you feel that suffering? Do you feel that, hey, my kids, Grant and Nolan, are, oh, that, that makes me suffer. I get emotional about thinking about it. Heather, when she suffers, I suffer. But I don't stop there. We can't stop there. The, the third step is just as important, and that is that now that we see, now that we feel, it's not enough just to do those two things. We got to do something about it. We got to step in and begin to do something that would help alleviate the suffering in their lives. So let me ask you again, are you a compassionate person? Are you a compassionate person that God's calling to make a difference in the lives of people in your world that are hurting? And I think God's saying, hey, I want you to step up. And I want you to be like me. I want you to be like my, sa your, my son, your savior, Jesus, and be more compassionate. So how can this happen in our lives? Because I've had all week to think about this, and to be honest, my natural bent is I'm not a very compassionate person. Everybody crucify me with your thoughts right now, but I'm just being real transparent. There's times that I'm not real compassionate, not as compassionate as Jesus is calling me to be. 
I see a disconnect in my life, and I'm like, God, I don't want there to be that disconnect. I want to bridge that gap, and I want to be like you, Jesus. That's what I inspire to be like you. So how can we be more compassionate? I'm going to just share with you one word, and it's going to be a churchy word, but it works. And the way that we become more compassionate is called prayer. It's called prayer. And I think there's three things that we need to pray for. Number one, I think we need to pray, God, help me to have eyes to see people the way you see people. Lord, help me to begin to see the needs of others, the suffering, the pain in their lives. Lord, help me to begin to really begin to get out of my own little skin and my own little world and begin to see the needs and the pain of others. That's a great place to start, Lord. Give me your eyes to see the hurt, the suffering, the pain of others. Because I can guarantee you there are people in your life today and this week who are suffering. And I want to let you know God wants to use you to make a difference in their lives. He wants you to be Jesus with skin on, to go to them But that's the first step is we need to begin to see. Lord, give me eyes to see. Lord, help me to see. How many people know God answers those types of prayers? How many people know that God answers those types of prayers? Because all week as I begin to pray that I'm I'm beginning to see the suffering, the pain in other people. Number two. Pray this. Pray, Lord, give me your heart to feel what they feel. Lord, help me to suffer along with them. Help me to have a heart that feels the pain, the suffering that they are going through. But here's the big one. These are all important, by the way. Number three, we need to begin to pray for wisdom of what is it we can do to help alleviate the pain and the suffering of others. So we see it by God's grace and his power. We begin to feel it. And now we're going to pray, God, what what do you want me to do? What is it that little old me can do to change that person's life? And sometimes it can be as as small as listening, Sometimes it can be a gentle, appropriate touch, touch on a shoulder. Sometimes it can be as small as the words that I care, I feel what you're going through, I'm there for you. And it's these simple steps that we can take that are going to make a difference in the person's life that's going through the suffering. And it's not these big, gigantic things. Sometimes I think, oh, God, you're going to have to count me out on this one because I don't have what it takes. We become like the disciples. We only have this much. We only have so many loaves of bread. We only have so many fish. How many people know that God can use what he's given you? Amen? He can use the little things. He can use what we see as lack. But if we step out in obedience and trust and say, God, include me in what you want to do today, How many people know that God can make a difference in each and every one of us? So here's my prayer for all of us, myself included, is that we will become a people that are more like Jesus.
And one of the ways that I want us to be more like Jesus is we become, we get up each day, and as Paul says, we clothe ourselves. We clothe ourselves with compassion. We clothe, we clothe ourselves with the eyes to see, the heart to feel, but we don't stop there. We do something about it. Amen? How many people want to be used to make a difference in someone else's life? Raise your hand this morning. Come on, raise your hands this morning. We're in this together. And I want to let you know, these opportunities are in front of us each and every day. Let me close with a story. I was a youth pastor years ago. It's over 20 years ago because I've been here that long. And I had a kid in my youth group, and um, he and I connected pretty well. He actually came and actually visited Heather and I, along with some other kid in our youth group when we lived in Georgia. We had this great golf week. It was amazing. So I became close with this, this kid, and then I'm, actually he called me to, hey, I'm getting married. Will you officiate the wedding? I said, oh, yeah, we'll officiate the wedding. We had a great time officiating the wedding. We've stayed in contact, but you know how life is. You kind of grow apart. We've kind of grown apart. Then about two weeks ago, I'm going to be very transparent with you. The phone rang, and it was at a busy time of day, and I saw his name came up. And I'll just be honest with you, I didn't pick it up, okay, because there was a, there was, I was engaged with other things at the time. So I thought, I'll give him a call back. So anyway, this week, just two days ago, the phone rang again, and it was at a weird time, too. I was with some city people out on the street help fixing a problem at our house, so I couldn't pick up the phone then. So about 10 minutes later, I get a text from Heather. This person is trying to get a hold of you and really needs to talk with you. So that was urgent. So I said, okay, I'm going to get through this mess. And I called him. And on the other line was a brokenhearted individual. And as a result of our, in our conversation, I discovered that... Um, about three years ago, his mother was given about three months to live. And now it's three years later, so she's lived that much longer, but it's getting really, really close to the end. He said, Mike, we go to this mega church in the cities, and we really don't know the pastor. Will you please call my mother? And call my dad because he's also going through some issues. So yesterday, I called them, the mother and the father. And I tell you what, it's so weird to talk to somebody that just knows they have a couple weeks to live. So I began to feel the need, see the need, feel the need that my heart was broken. I actually was crying at my office desk saying, Lord, this person was so healthy and had everything going their way. Now they're just weeks from dying. They're in hospice. So in preparation, knowing that I was going to preach the sermon, I, I asked the big question, what could I do to help you? And she said, Pastor Mike, I would just love it so much if you would just do my funeral service. I was like, oh. I said, I'd be honored to do your funeral service. 
what else can I do? She said, I want you to come over to our house. I was, oh, come over to our house. And so on two Saturdays, Heather and I are going over to their house to talk about a weird topic that we all die. And talk about how we're going to, what do you want to be a part of your funeral service? What I want to share in that story is this point is there's people all around us. They're in your office. They're in your office. They're people you talk to every day. They're people right in your house. There are people all around us that are suffering. That we can get so wrapped up and see only our issues. God, my sewer is backed up. All of our issues, we, we see all those and we, we kind of go inward, but compassion is I begin to see what other people see. I begin not only to see it, I feel it. And I can't stop there. I have to do something. Because in my doing something, I can make a difference by God's grace in somebody else's life. It's not because of who I am. It's because of who he is. Amen? And I want to say to every one of us, wake up. Wake up this week and expect that God wants to use you this week. This week is a week where God wants to use you in a way to alleviate the suffering of another person. And it starts by you seeing, you feeling, and then asking God, what do you want me to do? And if you listen close enough, God will share with you what it is that you can do to be there for somebody else, just like Jesus was there for so many other people. We want to be there for other people. Do you receive God's word today? Amen. Amen.